Martha's Vineyard has long been known for good food, hospitality, and pristine beaches. But right now, this tiny resort community lives under a shadow. The shadow in the form of a baseball playing shark. Welcome to Let's Get To, your tour of America through the lens of minor league baseball. Baseball from sea to shining sea. And now, the first pitch. Opening thoughts from James Christopher. Presented by BaseballMapper.com. And welcome to Let's Get To and... It's back. That's right. The Halloween suit is back. I'm your host, James Christopher, not David S. Pumpkins, though. I kind of wish I was. I mean, wouldn't you? I'm David Pumpkins. I know, but like, who are you? I'm David Pumpkins, man. Now, those of you might remember this suit from last Halloween where we shot on location with the Bowling Green Hot Rods for their spooky night in the ballpark. One of my top five favorite baseball experiences. And I just love the month of October. It's October baseball. It's spooky season. And because this is our Halloween episode, we are saving two of our spookier brands in baseball for this episode. We're talking about the Keen Swamp Bats, or for this episode, the Vampire Bats, and the Martha's Vineyard Sharks. We also have a special guest. Mike Donis is here to talk about the movie Jaws. He's a filmmaker from Toronto, also a big, massive Jaws fan. So when you visit Martha's Vineyard, you have to talk Jaws. And so we're excited to have Mike with us. And we're going to be talking about our experience visiting the world-famous Cape Cod League. So we have a lot of baseball ahead of you. Stay with us. But it's October. I am a filmmaker by trade. I am a massive horror movie geek, and I thought I would share with you my top five go-to, no doubt about it, movies to watch on Halloween. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Look, first of all, one thing about this list is I'm definitely a studio horror fan, and you have to start with the original Nightmare on Elm Street, brought to you by Wes Craven. Um, it is iconic. It has created some of the more iconic kill scenes, and it's a movie that still kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies when I watch it. Uh, so definitely, Nightmare on Elm Street should be on your list. And number four, the movie that kicked off maybe the most solid from top to bottom horror franchise of all time, and that's Scream. If you haven't seen Wes Craven's classic, where have you been? It truly is a horror franchise that really reaches really, really great heights. And even at its worst, it's still not as bad as some of the other worst movies in other horror franchises. So again, highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite movies, period. So definitely do yourself a favor and check out Scream. Stu's flipped out. He's gone mad. We all go a little mad sometimes. No, Billy! Fuck! Now, number three, The Omen. Yes, The Omen. Absolutely, I think, um, a great example of classic, old-school horror cinema. It's one of those movies that just 
gets kind of into your soul. And when you get the last reveal at the end, it's just creepy. Gregory Peck is great in it. Uh, Richard Donner, pre-Lethal Weapon, directed it. So uh, just the pacing of that movie is excellent. Highly, highly recommend. Damien, I love you! Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, number two, I think the second best horror movie of all time, one of my absolute favorites. And in fact, something I'll be revisiting a little later on this week with a good friend of mine who's never seen it, The Exorcist. I love The Exorcist for so many reasons. I think it's masterfully directed. I think the suspense is off the charts and I have a very funny story about the movie. So the Catholic priest who married my parents and baptized me and I think my brother, maybe it's the other way around, I don't remember who baptized me, but very close to the family. He was the same age as my parents and he wanted to meet Jessica when we got married. And so he wanted to take us to a movie. So he took us to the exorcist in uniform. The people around us a little weirded out. Uh, I, I like to think that it was a very gym move, something I would do if I were a Catholic priest. But again, the exorcist. Yeah, it's definitely it's almost 50 years old, but still holds a place as one of the most scary movies ever made. You show me Reagan's double. Same face, same voice, everything. And I'd know it wasn't Reagan. I'd know in my gut. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. Now, I want you to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. And number one, with a bullet or with a knife, John Carpenter's original Halloween. It's a movie that changed horror movies. It's a movie that changed cinema, uh, both with the way the movie was made, with the fact that they were able to do so much on such a little budget. And then it spawned, I think, one of the more successful horror movie franchises of all time. The movie is just cutting edge, from the first person POV camera to the way the Steadicam floats through the movie. The way the movie gets progressively more violent as we go, um, including the iconic pinning the boyfriend of the wall in the, the German Shepherd slash Michael Myers head tilt. So number one, you can't go wrong with Halloween. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death of good or evil right or wrong i met this six-year-old child with this blank pale emotionless face and the blackest eyes the devil's eyes so that's it that's my recommendation for how to spend a great halloween season in between baseball playoff games checking out some of the best horror movies ever made let yourself get a little spooky we like to get scared as a culture. It's, it, if you look at our literature, you look at our movie history, horror is always a major part of it. And I think it's because we like that rush. And then we like the relaxation that knowing we're not the ones getting stabbed by the mass killer. We have a great episode for you. So stay with us. St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' Who's on first? Who? The Let's the Get To team of the week. Who? 
the guy on first base. Who's Presented first? by the Baseball Bucket List Podcast. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. I'm asking you who's on first. That's we are excited to welcome the owner and GM of Ke- of that. We're excited to welcome the owner and GM of your Keen Swamp Bats, Kevin Watterson, to the show. He is no stranger to the show, but it's been a while and we're finally coming, Kevin. Hey, it's hey, thanks for having me once again, uh, and, and, and hello to your fan base. Thank you very much. I'm just excited to get out there. It feels like we've had you on the show for like two years, and now it's finally going to come to fruition. Hey, I, I, I always say uh, Keene, New Hampshire is one of the great summer collegiate baseball locales in this country. And for you to finally experience it live, I know is going to be uh, an eye-opener for you. Let's talk about then what can we expect from the game day experience there. Um, you you know, you and I talked, I know we have a special night going on that night that I want to talk about, but just overall, what do you, what do you want me to walk away from feeling? You know, I always say that uh, the Keene Swamp Bats, our, our mantra is community wrapped in baseball. And believe it or not, as good as our baseball team is, as many pros as we have put into major leagues, uh, we spend 80% of our time on community. Mm-hmm. We had two nights ago, we had a tremendous Chamber of Commerce night and Chaos and Kindness joined us. We had 3,500 folks in the park that night. It, wow. was, a, it was a night uh, really to remember. Uh, three weeks ago, we uh, celebrated and honored uh, our local elementary school stu- students who uh, all achieved so many reading hours in reading with Ribby, our mascot. <laughs> Believe it or not, we had... 3,900 students with us at the park that night. So those are highlights on an, on a given night. We average 1500 fans. So um, we're about entertainment, energy, all while a great baseball team is doing their thing. Yeah. And you guys are doing your thing. I mean, it's, it's been, it's another successful season for you guys so far. Uh, But I want to talk about the theme night that we're going to be at first responders night. Talk to me a little bit about how that's going to go and just how important it is to recognize those parts of our community. Yeah, we, we work very closely uh, with fire police, uh, sheriff department, EMTs, and recognizing those categories of true, and as as we know, true heroes in this country. And we'll do a color guard as opposed to a national anthem singer or a recording. Um, We will have, uh, fire trucks. Um, we may have a bear cat. We'll have a lot of uniforms around. We'll be doing some uh, announcements honoring those who, who maybe took us a, a, a big step during the last two years of COVID. So I think it's a real uh, feel good for not only those folks, but our fans, because they get a chance to thank those people. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the politically, we're seeing two different reactions to police departments right now. I mean, the Capitol Police are being held up as they should. And of course, the Uvalde situation as the son of a cop. I'm very excited to be out there for that because I just you cannot have enough respect for what those people do. I couldn't agree more. Our uh, our top administrative assistant, Sarah Velez, her husband is a cop. Joel Velez and nothing warms my heart more than during a game when maybe on patrol Joel spins through out of his uh, cruiser he's over talking to the fans and uh, yeah I just you just cannot honor these people enough and uh, the Swamp Bats we are huge huge supporters of the uh, of police 
again, I love that. Um, talk to me just a little bit about from some of the other, like in between inning stuff, that kind of thing. What can we look forward to seeing? You know, we, uh, we do all the crazy wacky stuff. I mean, I could tell you we do dizzy bat and all that. Hey, we do a, uh, we do a dubs tire roll race. Um, we, this Saturday night, we're doing a big bikers and baseball promotion where, uh, we've got a bunch of, uh, I don't know, we'll probably have 50 Harleys on, on site and, uh, they do, they'll do on the field. They'll do uh, a slow race. I guess I've not seen this before, but they, <laughs> They attempt to go as slow as they can without falling over sideways. Uh, <laughs> we, believe it or not, our mascot is a Ribby and uh, he Ribby in uniform. Uh, and it's, it's one of the Harley drivers will be circling the field on his Harley in the uh, Ribby mascot costume. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. I just imagine myself riding a motorcycle. That would not be successful, much less <laughs> in a mascot outfit. Maybe we'll put you on the back. Huh? <laughs> oh boy. I don't know. I mean, I'm willing to try anything once, so we'll see. Um, all right, Kevin, one of the things we like to do is help introduce you to our fans by playing a little game we like to call pepper. Okay. So I want you to get your mind completely clear to play a little pepper. Are you ready? Yeah, there, there is a, uh, a description from the past pepper. Yeah. Wow. And if I even remember it, it tells you how old I am. But go for it. <laughs> okay. What is your go-to ballpark food? Oh, that's so easy. Hand-cut French fries. Wow. To die for. All right. Um, all right. This Marvel or DC? Marvel. All right. What's the strangest? We had a, we had a Marvel night last week. How did that go? How was y'all's Marvel night? Very good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little old to be uh, inv- you know, t- totally in tune to the genre, but our intern team killed it. They were everywhere. We had folks dressed in Marvel uni- uh, uniforms, you name it. That's so great. Um, it's so fun to have those nights at the ballpark because you're bringing out people who maybe have never been before. Right. And then they get introduced to this, this beautiful game that we love. Um, all right. Here's one for you, though. We were so proud. Two nights ago, we had chaos and kindness there. Can you imagine chaos and kindness? I mean, they're they're, they're huge. Yeah. Okay. So, what is your whenever? What's the strangest thing you've ever seen in a ballpark? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, I oh, how about this? Two years ago, our closer gave up three home runs in a row, three pitches in a game that was over. And uh, we, we uh, yeah, how's that one? Three home runs on three consecutive pitches. Oh. My Lord. Okay. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Uh, what's your favorite team brand in minor league baseball, not counting the Keen Swamp Bats? Uh, Portland Sea Dogs. Great, yeah. great franchise. If you get a chance while you're up here, and they're, they're 10 minutes from the ocean. We're actually going to be there on September 10th for their Field of Dreams thing that they do. Uh, really? I'm, I've become very good friends with their, their the, the voice of the Sea Dogs, Emma Tiedemann. So we're excited to get up there and, and do that. All right. What is your the first time baseball broke your heart? Uh, let's see. The first time was the first state championship I personally was a part of that we lost. And then we followed it up when I was a junior in high school with another loss. And as a senior, another loss. All three straight in a, in a championship games. So wow. I recovered. I recovered. You, and you just, you certainly didn't turn your back on the game, which is a good thing. 
Okay. Um, Star Wars or Jaws? Oh, I'll, I'll go with Jaws. Okay. Um, and then Kevin Costner as cowboy or ball player? Uh, ball player. Yeah. Field of dreams, baby. All right. When you go to your, to a new ballpark, where is your favorite place to sit? I love, I love to be behind home plate, maybe 20 rows back. I can see the uh, spin. I can see the slider. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. I guess I know the answer. What is your go-to baseball movie? Uh, yeah, I, I would say, uh, field of dreams is my, is mine. I, I'll, I'll go there. Okay. Well, Kevin, first of all, thanks for jumping on. Let's get to, and we cannot wait to meet you in person and get out and see some swamp bats baseball. Hey, thanks for having me. See you next week. From the bleachers, the let's get to game of the week. Presented by the Dad Hat Chronicles. And welcome to From the Bleachers, but we're not coming to you from the bleachers. We're actually coming to you from right behind home plate at Alumni Field in Keene, New Hampshire, home of your Keene Swamp Bats. It's their 25th anniversary, so Jessica and I decided to come on up, hang out with them, and celebrate some great baseball. Check out how our evening went. Ah, Keene, New Hampshire, with its green landscape, blue skies, and havens for baseball all over the state. But before we get into that, allow me a little vanity and let's take a look at this first pitch. Definitely my best one over two years of doing this. And if I do say so myself, that's a pretty great 12-6 curveball. We were excited to get up to Keene. We've been talking to Kevin about getting up to cover his baseball team for years now. And so we were super excited to get to make that bucket list trip actually happen. And we couldn't think of a better place to start our New England swing than in Keene. I honestly did not intend that to rhyme. And quick, to the Batcave. Because what better place is there to see a game? Now Keene's local nine, the Swamp Bats, were celebrating their 25th season and we were thrilled to be there. Keene has a long tradition of excellence, having won five New England Collegiate Baseball League titles in the last 22 years. And it's a beautiful day in Keene. We've got a double header on tap and the field is getting ready. And in true minor league baseball fashion, it's the players and coaches themselves who are getting it prepared. Alumni Field sits on a pristine piece of ground with a perfect baseball backdrop. It's hard not to love this, the sun gleaming through the tall pine trees as we get ready to play their greatest game ever invented. The Keen Swamp Bats put on the kind of show you want as a baseball fan and the fans turn out for it. The best part, talking to all the fans, is that most of them are loyal regulars. Invested in their Swamp Bats, no casuals here. But that's what history can do, and their history, complete with their alums who now play in the big leagues, is on full disclosure. I spy my Houston team. In Ribby, the Swamp Bats have a top-notch mascot who works the field, welcoming players, fans, and baseball hosts alike. Now, including kids in the game at a young age is the best way to keep the game growing, and I love that the Bats have both a Bat Boy and a Bat Girl. I do hope her name is Barbara Gordon. All your minor league staples are here, like fun games between the innings. 
but it was cool to be there on first responders night at the ballpark and I can't stress enough how important this is. I'm the son of a cop and I hate that through action and now inaction, trust in our police has waned. Some of it's justified, a lot of it isn't. So anytime we can bridge the gap between the people and our officers whose job it is to protect us, it's a win for everyone. But there were other cool vehicles too. Guys, if you're listening to the podcast and not watching on our YouTube channel, you need to stop what you're doing and log in right now. We've got that most iconic piece of American pop culture, the Swamp Batmobile. That's right. You never get to see it live and in person very often. The Swamp Batmobile is as cool as you might think it is. In fact, now, dramatic reveal. Eh? What? I said Swamp Batmobile. As the sun went down, we realized we had a pretty perfect baseball experience. The colors across the night sky only helped. Jess and I had an amazing time in New Hampshire, and we can't wait to get back. And heck, I even caught a ball. From the bleachers, the Let's Get To Game of the Week. Presented by the Dad Hat Chronicles. And welcome to Let's Get To. Welcome to From the Bleachers. We're coming to you from the bleachers in left center of Spillane Field in Wareham, Massachusetts, home of your Wareham Gateman. We are doing a Cape Cod League tour. We checked out Chatham earlier. Now we're in Wareham to watch Chatham on the road. Looking forward to it. This is going to be the best collegiate talent that we're going to see. And if you get out here that you're going to see on the collegiate summer baseball circuit, we already heard some of the schools that are represented, Rice, Oklahoma State. It's going to be a good time. Check it out. The Cape League is famous for being the place where so many big leaguers get their start. And from an on-field perspective, it is collegiate summer league baseball at its absolute finest. You don't just see kids from Oklahoma State and Rice, but you also see players from the University of Texas, Miami, Florida State, Notre Dame, and so many other blue blood, big powerhouse baseball schools. These players take over fields all over Cape Cod, Massachusetts for a summer they won't forget. Towns like Yarmouth, Wareham, and Chatham offer the most unique of baseball experiences, a chance to see the future of the game up close, closer than in any other venue, while also living in your community. It is the most intimate of baseball locations and the most intimate of baseball environments. And Jess and I enjoyed our time. We played catch with the Chatham Anglers play. That will always be super special to us. Then we went to Wareham to see Chatham on the road. A truly special time, something every baseball fan must add to their list. Speaking of baseball buckets, this message goes out to Anna and all of you out there who keep your baseball bucket list checklist going, working to check some of these things off. If you've got spring training and you've got the Arizona Fall League on your list, you would be sorely disappointed if you don't add the Cape Cod League to the list as well. From the bleachers, the Let's Get To Game of the Week. Presented by the Dad Hat Chronicles. 
and welcome to From the Bleachers. We're coming to you from center field of the Shark Tank, where the Martha's Vineyard Sharks get ready for some more New England Collegiate Baseball League action. And just like Mayor Vaughn wanted the beaches open, since 2013, the people of Martha's Vineyard wanted baseball. And baseball they got in the form of the Martha's Vineyard Sharks, the now champion of the New England College Baseball League. Complete with easily one of the best logos in sports, they take the field in the shark tank, really embracing the large fish that fictionally terrorized Amity Island in Jaws. And what town stood in for Amity? That's right, Martha's Vineyard. Playing in the shark tank on the vineyard, the Martha's Vineyard Sharks have staked a claim on the diamonds on the island, consuming any opposition that might tread their way. They fiercely defend their home field, and if you don't believe me, the awesome shark on the dugout should have told you. Seriously, it's awesome. The entire experience with the sharks is the kind that ballpark dreams are made of. It's fun and intimate. You have players, not much more than kids themselves, inspiring the next generation by generously giving autographs and playing a game of catch. They've got drop-in clinics, kids run the bases, and hanging out is a dog named Bourbon at just about every game. See, I'm a sucker for all dogs, not just German Shepherds. And speaking of Bourbon, the official beer of the Sharks, the Offshore Ale Company, is there to keep you lubricated during the ballgame. Russ and the crew are doing it right, creating a great place for college kids to come play and a great place for kids to get exposed to the sport. And just like every other minor league team, Russ has more than one job. They've created a culture where young men take the next step in chasing their dream, including the literal all-stars for the Martha's Vineyard Sharks. But it's also a place where a grandmother can teach her grandson about the game. Seriously, I overheard this exchange and it was about the cutest. And just weeks after we left, they did their best tiger shark impersonation. Tiger shark. A what? And devoured and ate almost anything in their path as they swam their way to a New England College Baseball League championship. But they'll be back next summer as strong as ever and ready to devour the competition and defend their crown. Because just when you thought it was safe to go back to the ballpark, the Sharks are there to take a bite out of boredom and entertain you up to the gills. And now I'm out of shark puns. Camera, play ball, the best in baseball cinema. Hello and welcome to Let's Get to Lights, Camera, and Play Ball. I am your temporary host, Mike Donis, and I will today be speaking with, well, why don't you introduce yourself? 
Y'all know me. You know I... Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, James Christopher. And yes, we have given the reins temporarily to the before-teased Mike Donis, filmmaker, editor out of Toronto, Canada. And one of my... I mean, absolute best friend. One of my five favorite... Five favorite five people on the planet. So... Here we are. We, we go back now. We go back a ways. Um, I think 12 years now. I think you're right. Yeah, that's that's just bananas. That's just bananas. It's bananas, yeah. And this is, and this is the first time that I have ever actually uh, hosted something like this. So this is this is going to be fun. I even dressed up for the occasion because of our topic. That's right. That's uh, because of our topic, exactly. And I, and I see that you did too, uh, which is awesome. Um, why don't we just, uh, why don't we just dive right in? Uh, nautical water pun intended. Uh, listen, I know, I know, I know the answer to this, but yeah, for everybody watching, uh, when did you first get into Jaws? Um, so the, the answer of course is in the womb, right? Like, isn't that my favorite thing where it's, uh, it's part of my filmmaker bio of when my mom says the first time she felt me kick was she was watching jaws and so um you and i are passionate about the movie so i'll flip that around on you and when did you first get into the film uh i it was not in the womb i actually wasn't allowed to watch it as a little kid my mother was that would have been a long gestation period since you were 10 years old (laughs) well my mom hates hates the film so when i was a kid i was like i mean she doesn't hate the film as in thinks it's bad she hates it as in she couldn't swim for a very long time after she saw it in theaters and so when I was a, when I was a young kid, I never saw it. I actually didn't watch it until I was probably, I want to say, eleven or twelve. Oh wow! And yeah, it was it was later. I was already I was already into you know uh, making my own films and doing all of that stuff. And so it became a point where my parents were kind of like, "All right, well, you do have to watch Jaws if you're into this kind of thing." So so then I did and just immediately fell in love. I remember I bought the it was like a two tape set. Oh wow! Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, so yeah, but now it's been a while, and I I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen, which I know. Yeah, I think I. I mean, we we try to watch it almost every time we're together. Yeah. Um, I watch it at least four or five times a year, and then I just got this weird email from who you know well, Shelly uh, Bybee, who's my sister in law, and she's asking everyone for t-shirt sizes and for me to bring jaws to our Thanksgiving at the beach. So I don't know what she has planned, but I'm in. So it sounds awesome. So yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Cause I, I sometimes don't even have an immediate answer for this, but what for you, if you can, if you can put it into words, makes you able to watch it time and time again. It's it's interesting because I feel like that the repeatability has actually gotten even more even more so since remember you were down a couple of years ago right when the 4K came out and it was almost like you and I had never seen it before um, and then we went to watch it on the 4K in IMAX and even that was like I'd never seen it before. I think there's a lot of things going on in the movie that work and I definitely as a filmmaker want to hear your take on it too. I think you can just watch the movie and watch Spielberg direct a film like no one's ever done it before. Like uh, the fact that he has a lot of one takes, but really he has the actors creating shots just watch it for that or watch because he has, he loves the crowded frame. And so you can just watch what the background people are doing. 
all of those things work, but I think he's just, he creates, you know, one of my biggest, my, one of my biggest pet peeves is when a film mixes tone incorrectly. Jaws, and there's lots of reasons why it does this, is able to mix the tone so perfectly. So sometimes I can watch it as a horror film or watch it as an adventure movie. I think it's just so multi-layered. And I think what happens is because my mom is like yours, uh, she liked the movie, but I think she dismisses the movie. I think a lot of people dismiss it as piranha or, you know, mm. you know, they it's a simple monster movie. And maybe it would have been if the shark had worked, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's just, it elevates beyond, beyond that. Like, it's weird because when we're like, because in this episode, we're talking about horror movies as well. It's our Halloween episode. And I list my favorite horror movies and Jaws isn't on them because I feel like it's it elevates beyond beyond genre. So there's just a million different reasons that I can get take from that movie where I can watch it literally over and over again. But I mean, how about you? Because again, you and I watch it almost every time you're here. I know. And, and uh, for me, I think the thing that's interesting with Jaws all of the stuff that you just said, it's like a masterclass in just how to put together, how, how to tell a story cinematically. You know what I mean? And, but I think the thing that I find the coolest about it, uh, which, which, which I think really also separates it from, uh, you know, uh, like a, a B movie, like it could have easily been as Spielberg has said. Um, but <laughs> never would have heard like of it. The, yeah. people, the people are, are like, they're all real. I, I mean, I know, I know Brody's. I know Cooper's. I lived on a boat for 12 years. I know Quint's, right? Like it's yeah. like they're all they're 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 all such real people and and they're such different people. And you know, it's like it's one of the one of the classic things to do. Take, you know, people that are extremely different from each other, put them in a room. In this case, it's a yeah. boat, shake yeah. it up and see what happens. It's just that now there's also a 25-foot shark outside. And so three tons of them. Three tons. <laughs> and it's just so uh so interestingly done. And that is I think what for me emotionally elevates it because it's they're real people that I really care about and I really like them. And I also get to see them get to care about each other and get to like each other too, because they really get to be stripped down to who they really are. Surface things kind of set aside because yeah. the situation is so dire. The real people thing, I think is completely nail on the head. And I think everybody would, obviously they would go to the scene with the, with when the son is pantomiming his dad. And that it's a, it's a correct answer, but I even like the fact that for a second, when Hooper first meet first meets Brody, he almost forgets where he works. I'm Matt Hooper from the uh, oceanographic society. Cause it's almost like he just had the odd interaction with all the crazy people on the boat. And now he's just like, it's almost like, is he starting to feel like he's over in over his head? And I think it's incredibly approachable uh, to have these very real people. And the funny thing is, if you made that movie today, you wouldn't have that because they would all be attractive. They'd all be hot, right? Totally. Yeah. And, you know, it would be like The Rock fighting a shark. And I, I'm not saying I wouldn't watch that, but it just would. I'd watch the hell out of that. But it'd be a very different movie and not as special. And that's, I think, the key. A lot of the B movies that Jaws could have been yeah might be fun but they're not special and jaws is just special because of that and and that's and that's and we're not even mentioning john williams part of the movie yet because that also i mean i feel like that's its own episode we should probably yeah I don't well, know you know what we gotta do is is uh we'll have you on flicks revolution in the spring and we'll just do a john williams episode just you and me top to bottom because we're right we I could absolutely 
Absolutely do that. And let's do it now before he shuffles off and then it's sad. So let's just do it now. We'll yeah, do let's it. Let's definitely please. Yeah. Let's I, do I like that before yeah. then. Yeah. Like present tense. He is a great composer. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so you got to do something uh, that I am very, very, very jealous of and would love to do one day. You actually visited all of the, the shooting locations for Jaws. Yeah. Uh, in Martha's Vineyard. What was that? like like honestly like i just i i feel like i might just be sitting in a corner of my hotel room weeping the whole time i'm I mean, not sure how i would <laughs> it, was, it was nuts and and uh you know so we were in martha's vineyard covering their baseball team called the sharks and um it was just this really awesome experience that really jessica owes everything to because as you know from making the movie they weren't happy the people in martha's vineyard that they were shooting a movie there so there is almost nothing official that recognized this as the place where jaws was shot shot but you can download like virtual tours like basically it's a google map and it's like go to this spot so you can go look at where the where the uh, police chief office was you can go to where the the the, the uh, lighthouses when they're coming up at the end i went swimming where where they shot chrissy being killed and then i and then you know we went to where the kittner boy ate it we went to the bridge but it does feel like in many ways it was almost better because it wasn't super commercialized. Like if you go to, I think I took you once to the top notch where days and confused was filmed. Um, it's cool, but it's full of memorabilia. Whereas this, it almost felt like it was almost a bit more intimate um, and, and interesting because again, like not a single jaws t-shirt for sale in a gift shop, like nothing that you would imagine. And I don't know if it's still because they're angry about it or what, but it really did feel, it felt like a religious experience to me. It felt, yeah. um, you know, I did, a, the, the cold open of the show is me riffing off of Peter Benchley's cameo in the movie, but but it took me about 15 takes because I'm literally standing by those famous wood fences that Chrissy runs across before she, it, it's just, and so I'm trying to like hold it together. And I don't know, it, it was, it was just like, um, I felt like Han on the Falcon in Force Awakens. Okay. Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Man, and I, I even, I and I even named Quint. Here's Quint after the captain. We all know her. Know what she does for me. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> all right. This is well, okay. I'm not going to share my I'll share my opinion after you've given yours because I don't want to I don't want to push you in a certain direction, but yeah. What do you how do you respond when as as many people love to love to say, especially I feel with the internet these days, uh uh eh, sharks still fake. You know, what when people say that the shark is fake, what 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 do you take away from that? First of all, nice Marty McFly reference. Uh <laughs> that um it's so it's interesting because I kind of repeat, I, I play this with my students and the impact of this movie on my students is crazy because the movies impacted them in ways they don't even know. Like, I don't understand why people were swimming out this far. My parents would never let me right? because their parents in the movie never saw jaws and yours did. I mean, that's literally the thing. And so I kind of, because of that sort of internet, it's easy to diss on something. I kind of prepare them for the shark looking fake. And what happens is exactly what Spielberg wanted to happen. 
they don't notice because by the time they've gotten to the point where you finally see the shark for real, they're in the movie, they're invested. There's no, no doubt about it. And a lot of them were like, I don't like, why do you, th-? they were a couple of them were upset that I thought it looked fake. And I was like, well, now let's go frame by frame and look at the hinge jaw. Like, but it doesn't matter. And um, yeah, it, it, it obviously like the guy who wanted to direct the movie by training a great white shark. Um, or the other guy who was directing a movie because he wanted to train a whale. Yeah, that's, but what happens is I still think it looks better than a digital option. And there are lots of movies with good digital sharks, but no, I don't think it. Yeah. I think mathematically it doesn't, but emotionally it does. And I think that's what matters. I mean, what do you think when people are kind of complaining about the movie in that perspective? Well, that sort of thing triggers someone like, and so I don't like I don't like hearing people uh, kind of take shots at something that is so beloved when I, I I challenge anybody who does say that the shark looks fake to not be scared of that shark if they actually watch the film. Right. Yeah. And you, like everything looks fake. Right. We've both been on lots of movie sets before. You know, the guy getting stabbed in the stomach looks fake when you're there in real life. You can analytically yeah. medically look at something and recognize this looks fake but when you're in the moment of the movie does it make you feel something and if the answer is yes then it it looking real or fake is yeah. irrelevant it, it doesn't even matter because it's not it's not the point the point i mean editing in a movie is fake right all of it's, never, fake. it's you, all imagined yeah like everything yeah. right like yeah. the whole experience is 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 fake but what, what I was referring to editing is that even just jumping from here to the other side of the room, two inches away from your face, you know, we call that going to a close up. That's fake. You don't experience life like that, but it does something for you emotionally. Nope. <laughs> it does something for you emotionally that that puts you into that world and, and carries you through. And there's nothing about the movie Jaws that doesn't do that. So therefore, yeah, I feel I mean, like saying it looks fake is like, what's the point in saying that if it's not your job to make it look real? Yeah. Well, like, no, and, and that's, a, I think that, 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 that's stumbling into a whole other episode of why does our culture want, just want to be mean about everything. Right. Today. But I do think like, there's a great scene in the movie where they find Chrissy's arm and it's actually the prop master's arm because while realistic, the fake one was Spielberg's like the, the audience won't believe it because they don't know what a dead arm looks like. Right. And I just think, that, again, that it shows you where at 25 years old, he had this stuff figured out. But, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. I just um, I wish people would quit hating on it. It's it's almost like when you tell people, hey, this is like in the top 10 on AFI's top 100 movies. Now I'm going to sit down and look for a reason to not like it. And that's just yeah. what a waste. Of, what a waste of your life to do that. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. That's why I said that kind of thing sort of triggers me, so to speak, because I just, I don't like, it makes me feel rotten when someone's approach is to, is to go look at something beloved with the intention of disliking it and not, if that's your actual reaction, fine. But when it comes to Jaws, I would say that's just because you don't have a soul. Well, they do the same thing with, with the original Star Wars trilogy, right? Like, oh, that doesn't look, yeah, of course not, dude. I mean, like, of course not. Well, I, I would argue too, at least with Star Wars. I mean, what, what was the last time you did see a Millennium Falcon fly? I mean, to be honest, maybe that is what it really looks like. <laughs> for all you know, <laughs> for all you know, that's exactly what it looked like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I just think people know, people hear that, oh, this movie's important. Oh, this movie has an impact on pop culture. It has an impact on our daily life. It has an impact on um, movies, and they immediately want to poo-poo it. And one of the things that I did when I was down in Cape Cod is I bought in. So I I downloaded the Sharktivity app. So I get an alert when there's a shark sighting anywhere in America. And it's not even just like, oh, somebody saw a shark. It's those tags on Shark Week, which we wouldn't have if it weren't for Jaws and people killing the sharks. But either way, I digress. But yeah, like it's, and I, just, I don't know. I just fully got into it. And and I think that was an access point for me was because of how real that movie felt. Right. right. It's, it really is, I think. Well, I mean, I think what I think is irrelevant. That's just what I think. But I think there's 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 just like proof of its power is the fact that after like 40 years of this movie existing, we can still watch it and and gleefully, you know, just get swept up in the whole thing. And, and uh, you know, can't imagine why anyone would be afraid of it. Yeah. And and I, I almost think this is like such a ramp a tangent, but it almost feels like the pop culture that we're getting today feels so temporary in and of itself. You know, I, you know, it's Halloween season. So I'm watching all these Halloween movies and the most of the ones I'm watching were made in the seventies because it's just I, when I think they were better. And I think Jaws, obviously, um, you know, Jaws, other movies that you and I love the Godfather, like all these movies stand up when I think maybe a lot of movies made today wouldn't. And maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's some jealousy that it wasn't of their generation. I don't know. I don't, I can't really put my head around it. Yeah. I can't either. But I do think that you. Oh, we have the. Oh no, I don't have that mug or the pint glass. I thought I had the same pint glass right now, but I don't. I have a. I <laughs> um. Well, I'm gonna say. Have you got anything else that you would like to say? If there was one thing that you could say about Jaws in like yeah. us. Well, look, here's the thing. Um, I think if, if you want to, it's really an important movie, and there's a great documentary called um, "The Shark Is Still Working" about why it works. And there's a lot of things that it did for movies in many ways that like, like, uh, did you watch the movie? Uh, you, Cause you've been editing, so you haven't watched it yet, but there's a great show about the making of the Godfather uh, called the yeah, offer. Yeah. And they were upset because they couldn't get the odd, the Godfather out before March because movies were dead after March. Now you and I grew up in a post jaws world where movie season doesn't start until summer. And I think, you know, that's one thing that it did obviously in many ways, the we can blame jaws on fast and the furious 15 but i think it's yeah. just um you know looking at movie I, I just think it's important and i hope people will check it out and i hope people will realize that just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water jaws 2 is also not a bad movie <laughs> it's not look jaws is responsible look look jaws is responsible for the best and worst taglines ever because Jaws yeah. two, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the in the water, it's a great tagline. French kiss. Jaws four. This time it's personal. What? Yeah, yeah. What? no, it's uh, it's actually. I, I I feel like you could look at the Jaws franchise as like a perfect example of, you know, commercialization of movies and how you know they saw this movie that they didn't think was going to be anything turned into the biggest something that had ever happened at its right. time. And then they were like, oh, okay, well, we want to do more of this. And then, you know, they, they did. And then Jaws 2 came out. And Jaws 2, I agree with you, it's not a bad movie, but it's also not Jaws. Like, it right. doesn't have, it's not that 
level of, 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 of movie making or an experience in general. And then you get Jaws 3D. And then which, you get which, uh, which, which in, in 3D was interesting. Yeah. I would have preferred yeah. to see the movie they were going to make, which was Jaws 3 People 0. But... And then we got Jaws the Revenge, where all the sharks are related and one of them's pissed off. I'm like, I don't think that's how sharks work, but okay. Yeah. I wonder if they still actually have the rights to that screenplay, if someone does, and if it could actually still get made, Jaws 3 People 0. Because they wrote it, right? Didn't it actually exist? Yeah, no. I, I As far it. as I know, they, they were starting into pre-production and it was Zanuck and Brown who felt like it was a disgrace to franchise so that's somehow, my understanding as well yeah but they was ready to go like it yeah. could exist and i mean i feel like now they've already found their disgrace to the franchise so i feel like they might as well uh you know go <laughs> just go go for it they gotta go for it you're right um we'll see it happen and now i'm gonna take the reins back mike um first of all before we get out of here this is a baseball show Blue Jays, how are you viewing the season? Um, you obviously, I think, like, here's the thing. I don't know if I should have a baseball show anymore because I picked the Blue Jays and the Mets in the World Series. Both teams are eliminated. So I don't know what that tells you. But overall, how are we feeling and how's the city of Toronto feeling? Honestly, it's, I mean, it's obviously a bummer. Uh, there's been a there's been a lot of comparisons people have said. Uh, now Jays fans know how Leafs fans feel. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs are, it's a, it's a, the, our hockey team and and uh, that sort of thing happens a lot where there'll be a part in the season where they're amazing and then everyone's like it's going to happen and then it doesn't and then they crash and burn and so it is a bummer and a lot of a lot of people are uh we're definitely down about it but i think that the, i think that the other thing too specifically toronto but canada in general with uh the jays you know there's a, there's a lot of um there's a lot of love that's never going to go away so i don't yeah. think that the uh you know, the, the, the excitement, uh, for, for next season is not gone. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's a bummer and we're going to have to, we're gonna have to lose it. well, and I think that team, um, like the team is just going to be a stacked next year and they'll maybe put it together. All right. Um, Mike, before we get out of here, shameless plug that you're going to be, first of all, guys, if you're into Christmas movies, you're going to be seeing his work literally all over the place. You have been, Working and editing nonstop, you're probably tired of wreaths and 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 lights. And <laughs> and, and, My next movie is actually going to be an action movie, and that's what I'm going to be doing right before Christmas. So it's funny how it all it all, all also, also a Christmas movie. So, uh, all right, well, but we're gonna have you on our new show, Flix Revolution, where you're gonna go into how you get a Christmas movie made. Uh, but Mike, for now, thanks so much for jumping on. Let's get to you, and I miss you. I miss you too, brother. Thanks for having me. And before we get back to, well, me, the rest of Team Let's Get To wanted to tell you what their favorite scary movies were. My brother Tim and Jess Canaster both picked Event Horizon, which, honestly, I think I saw it. I cannot really remember it off the top of my head, but now we'll check it out. We had some love for M. Night Shyamalan. Scott McIntyre picked Signs. And then he went on to talk about the first time he saw it. He was exhausted flying back from Warsaw and it just sort of messed with his head. And then Eric Mertens, Eric the Peanut Guy, picked The Village. 
Andrew Nelson picked horror classic Let the Right One In. And Brian Arbor, co-host of Go Go Astros, took the What's Your Favorite Scary Movie literally by picking one of the ones in my top five, the movie Scream. Andy Tom Chesson picked The Ring, and he said, yes, I know the original Japanese film was better, but hey, you like what you like, and like I told him, I've not seen the original Japanese thing because I don't want to read when I go to the movies. Jessica weighs in with the remake to Amityville Horror. Very, very scary. Ryan Reynolds is great in it, and look, he doesn't look bad with his shirt off. I'm not going to lie. And of course, don't forget to watch The Crow on Devil's Night. We all hope that these movie suggestions help make Halloween a little bit more fun, a little bit more creepy, and a little bit more spooky. And the team from Let's Get To and Twitchy Dolphin Media wish you all a happy, happy, and safe, and spooky Halloween. to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. So that does wrap up this episode of Let's Get To. First of all, happy Halloween to everyone. I hope you have a great and safe Halloween. I want to thank Kevin from Keen. I want to thank Russ from the Martha's Vineyard Sharks and the good folks at the Cape Cod League for having us out. Thanks to Mike Donis for hopping on. I always love talking movies with this guy, so we'll have to do it again soon on either this show or on our other show, Flicks Revolution, shameless plug. But until then, again, have a happy Halloween. Check out the five movies I recommended. Definitely going to set the right kind of spooky tone for you on this most holy of holidays. Make sure you hit the streets in costume. Get you some, make sure you hit the streets in costume. Get you some tricks, get you some treats. But most importantly, let's get to. Let's Get To is presented by Twitchy Dolphin Media. Executive produced by Jessica Bybee Jedgetts. Produced by Andy Tom Chesson, Scott McIntyre, and James Christopher. Associate producers Andrew Nelson, Timothy Jedgetts, and Jess Canaster. Music by Andy Bertelson, Grace Usselman, and On Holiday. All content created by Let's Get To is the sole property of Twitchy Dolphin Media. All content created by teams covered in the episode are the sole property of the trademark holders. Let's Get To is a proud member of Curved Brim Media.